The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode number 88. Today is Sunday, April 15th, the day before my parents' anniversary. So happy anniversary, Mom and Dad, if you're listening. I am joined by my co-host with a fresh new haircut all the way from unpredictable weather, New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you doing on this uh for me, it's a rainy Sunday afternoon. What's it like for you up there? Bill, it is a cold Sunday afternoon. Friday and Saturday, we had a couple of really nice days. And then today went down to about 40, and it's super windy out. So I am getting work done. How about you, nice. Bill? You told me it was a monsoon out there. How, how yeah. bad is it right now? Yeah, it's not looking good. Power went out earlier. I feel like it could go out again, but... Fuck it, we're gonna do this thing live anyway. That's what we, that's what we do. And uh, uh, since I'm stuck inside because it's raining anyway, I might as well have a drink. So I got this, uh, <laughs> I got this little, this little can. I'm holding it up for people watching on YouTube. It's slow and low rock and rye by Hockstatters, and it's like a little mixed drink in a tiny can, and it's. Rye whiskey with raw honey, navel oranges, rock candy, and bitters. And I'm going to crack this on the air here if it'll open. And, oh, it's like, it's like a pull top. You can hear that? Sounds very satisfying. See, like, the little hole in the top there? Let's give this a shot. All right, All right that's disgusting. <laughs> That's, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's like a sweet cough syrup. <laughs> it's like, it's like they just put, put sugar and Robitussin. <laughs> I hate, I hate to, um, I hate to talk negatively about things, um, because I, I only like to talk about things on the show that I actually like. Or that are sponsors, but and even if they're sponsors, I, I only will still have them on the show if I like them. But um, yeah, kind of a cough syrupy thing. The aftertaste isn't bad because you get like the honey on the back end, but up front, let me let me give it a second try. No, I'm still getting sugary cough syrup, Jeff. It's not <laughs> <laughs> it's not a not a pleasant experience. I'm sure it's <laughs> well, at least it's consistent. Yeah, I'm sure it's not as bad as the fruit nippers. <laughs> oh God, you had a couple of weeks ago. Oh my God, dog days. All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this thing off anyway because I don't waste alcohol, Jeff. That doesn't happen in my house. Uh, and then I'm gonna grab a beer from my mini fridge here, which uh, luckily I have stocked for such emergencies. So, ah, uh, man. I hate to just slam them like this, so I'll probably pick up a bottle of the rye 
and try it out. I do enjoy a nice uh, spicy rye whiskey. So we'll, we'll give him a second chance, Jeff. We're all about second chances here. So UFC on Fox 29, Poirier versus Gaethje from Glendale, Arizona last night. And this was a really great car. The fights were awesome, all really entertaining. But I don't know, for me, it's like everything kind of has the volume turned down after last week because everything was so crazy. And I think I'm just on like an MMA adrenaline dump a little bit. Um, so I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't get excited for this card, which is crazy because Poirier and Gaethje is one of those fights. Like I could watch these guys fight every week. Probably. Uh, if you wanted to say, you know, we're booking this fight, uh, for the next six pay-per-views, I'd be like, great. <laughs> um, you know, but I think maybe once we start talking about it a little bit, um, it'll kind of jog my memory about how good this card was and I can be excited about it in the aftermath. And we also have a great card coming up next week that I'm really excited for. So uh, lots to talk about here, Jeff. Let's start at the top with the main event. And these are two top fighters in this lightweight division that is completely stacked right now. Nobody knows what's going to happen because of Conor McGregor, you know, throwing dollies and and Tony Ferguson not having an interim championship anymore, and you know Dana White saying that Ferguson's never going to fight Khabib again because I mean, never he's never going to book the fight again. It never happened again, so it never happened in the first place. It can't happen again. So a, a lot of mixed things going on in this division. You know, uh, the winner of this fight could have easily have gotten a title shot. Poirier called out Khabib. At the end of it, uh, the winner of Kevin Lee and and Edson Barbosa maybe could get a title shot. Well, I would imagine it wouldn't be Barbosa since Khabib smashed him uh, not so long ago. But what were your thoughts on this main event, Jeff? Let's start there. Well, I loved it. I loved what I saw from both of these guys. Justin Gaethje, I thought he was smart uh, going for Dustin Poirier's lead leg, really uh, coming down on that leg and punishing it. Dustin Poirier's movement was seriously affected, especially in the later rounds. But I thought Dustin Poirier uh, was smart too, especially in his uh, picking his shots. Uh, every time that Justin Gaethje would cover up, uh, he does this, uh, you know, boxing cover up. But Poirier was smart, and he would parry Gaethje's hands out of the way. He would go for uppercuts right in between the guard. So I thought Poirier uh, deserved the win. And I think uh, I personally have been a little critical of Dustin Poirier. He's never been one of my favorite fighters. But, man, over his last couple of fights, over his last five fights in particular, uh, I think he's won me over a little bit, man. And I think yesterday's performance was basically the cherry on top for Dustin Poirier. He looked great. Uh, he was hitting Gaethje with some really tough shots and making Gaethje pay for that uh, style of fighting that he has. Yeah, for sure. And I think it was a matter of time before that happened because, you know, Gaethje, uh, we've talked about him at length on this show. Uh, he's a really exciting fighter and he's had some epic fights in other promotions and he's obviously done really well in the UFC. I mean, he's had three fights in the UFC and they've all been main events, I think, or co-main events. Uh, uh, yeah, so I believe. Obviously, I'm so sorry. Go ahead, Bill. 
Yeah, the Michael Johnson fight was a main event. I think when he fought Alvarez, it was a co-main, and now uh, against Poirier. So, yeah, Poirier is a fighter who has matured a lot because his biggest issue in the past was getting emotional inside the octagon and brawling with guys, which serves him well sometimes. Um, the, the fight with Bobby Green comes to mind. Uh, the fight with Yancey Medeiros, uh, he, he brawled with those guys and he got away with it because, you know, they weren't uh, elite, elite strikers. But when he gets in there with guys with great game plans uh, and he brawls with them, it didn't, it doesn't do as well for him, such as uh, with Michael Johnson, uh, with Conor McGregor, um, and, and even the Cub Swanson fight a little bit. Uh, I think he... He had pretty good composure in that fight, but he was even brawling a little too much there. So, yeah, uh, this was a big test for Poirier because if he kept his composure, uh, skill for skill, I think he's a better fighter than Gaethje. But Gaethje's one of those guys who lures people into a brawl, takes a ton of punishment, and then he swings for the fences. And he he has the mentality that sometimes he'll knock you out and, and he's willing to get knocked out himself, which makes for a really exciting fighter. Uh, it makes me really concerned for his health in the long term because he absorbs a lot of damage even when he wins fights. Um, but fuck, is it exciting to watch this guy fight? Um, I thought I, I agree. I thought Gaethje had a great game plan as well. He was really chopping Poirier's legs down uh, to the point where he was having a hard time standing. You got to uh, credit uh, Poirier's uh, toughness because he was having his he couldn't even put like weight on his legs when he was on the stool he had to he had to spread his legs out and uh have, have him ice in between rounds uh what a tough son of a bitch man um and then there was the matter of the eye pokes so two two eye pokes uh to poirier from gaethje to the point where herb dean deducted a point uh do you think this had any effect on the outcome at all jeff uh no just because it was a finish but I thought that uh, Herb Dean did the right thing. I think that the first warning was pretty serious. And uh, Gaethje, you know, he just kept coming out with his with his uh, fingers out, man. Like, at one point, it looked like kind of a jab with uh, an open palm. And I think that the point taken away was definitely deserved. Um, and then at one point, Dustin Poirier poked Justin Gaethje. Uh, in the eye, and it looked like it, it was a little, it looked like there was a little um, spice behind it. I think he did it on purpose a little bit. I mean, I don't know, but I, overall, I don't think it affected the fight too much. I think that Poirier did well, but man, uh, for anybody who like was booing and stuff in the crowd, um, I've been poked in the eye before by accident, like during training and stuff, and it sucks, dude. Mm -hmm. Like for like those first five to 10 seconds, you just see like a white spot in the middle of your eye and, and it sucks. So, um, I, that's why they take so much time to, you know, you have up to about five minutes. I want to say when you do get poked in the eye for anyone who didn't know why they kept stopping. Yeah. Well, uh, the live audiences tend to be typically very uneducated, especially the, uh, um, American audiences. And I don't mean educated as in, They've had poor education. I mean, educated in mixed martial arts. Uh, you know, probably 90% of people in attendance at a live show have never trained before. 
they're drinking alcohol, so they're under the influence. And hey, can't hate on that because that's probably our demographic here, Jeff. Uh, and, and then the other thing is they were also in Justin Gaethje's home state. So, uh, you know, anything going against the hometown boy, obviously is going to draw some booze. So that's understandable. Overall, I thought this was a fantastic fight. It was so back and forth. Um, I had Gaethje winning on the scorecards. I thought Poirier probably won the first round. Uh, but it, it was, it was close. I mean, you, you know, it depends what what you thought did more damage the leg kicks or or you know the the shots that that Poirier was using to pick Gaethje apart either way this was an awesome fight um and it, it's scary watching Gaethje uh get knocked out Jeff because he's still fighting while he's unconscious uh which which shows two things it shows like what a real warrior spirit he has like this guy really wants to go out on his shield but it also shows like, you know, he's willing to sacrifice his own health in there. And I don't know, as much as I enjoy watching him fight, I don't know that I can necessarily condone that. Uh, you know, I, I'm a fan of this sport and obviously I, I like it because it's violent. But, you know, I want to see these guys have futures uh, after they retire. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Jeff? Yeah, dude, you bring up an interesting point about the future thing, because MMA hasn't been around enough, well, long enough to where we can say, you know, this this could lead to this much brain damage and fighters in their old age start to see these symptoms because, you know, this is the UFC's 25th year. Um, so it, it's crazy. Um, you know, I, I, I start to think about boxing and some of the, uh, damage that boxers have had, uh, at the end of their careers and later on in life. So you bring up an interesting point there. I'm curious to see how Gaethje does, you know, in his later years, I hope he's okay, but I think you're right, dude. It's a little scary when, uh, cause he was wobbling around. You could tell that he was out on his feet, his feet like he tried to get him back under him and just nothing was happening. He was on rubber legs. Uh, any expression that you can use to say that somebody's knocked out, we saw in Gaethje yesterday. Um, you know, he, I, I think he's a danger to himself sometimes. And I'm glad Herb Dean stopped it when he did. Because, um, you know, that's what the ref's there for. If not, I think Dustin Poirier said it best at the end. He said Gaethje would have been willing to die in there. Mm -hmm. Um I, I think he'd be willing to take it to that extreme, actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which shows his dedication and, and really shows how much heart he has. Um, but again, you got to be concerned for the guy's health as well. So I'm hoping to see him take a good amount of time off after this, at least, you know, eight or nine months, hopefully. Uh, as much as I love watching him fight, I, I'd really like to see him uh, rest and recover from this because he obviously was concussed at the end of this thing. Uh, Poirier is probably going to need some time off to recover from this one as well, because he took some big shots, uh, when he did engage in that brawling style, he was getting the worst of it. I felt like, um, you know, he did the best when he was staying on the outside, avoiding the leg kicks and, and picking Gaethje apart because he was doing big damage from range, uh, which is what he needed to do to win the fight. And that is how he ultimately won the fight. So at the end, Dustin Poirier calls out Khabib. He says he deserves it. I can't disagree with him, but at the same time, I don't see it happening. Uh, I think Khabib uh, is a really tough matchup for Poirier. Uh, you know, he's 
totally well-rounded. He's awesome on the ground, but uh, man, Khabib is a nightmare for anybody. And I think there's still the matter of settling the Eddie Alvarez thing because their last fight ended in a no contest. And I, I feel like we need to know who, who the winner is there because I, I think Eddie Alvarez could make a case uh, for, for the title shot as well. I think his, his name was in the hat uh, to come in, to step in against Khabib on short notice, but he couldn't make weight. He's got a win over Gaethje, and he did it a, a little bit quicker than Poirier did by seconds. He did it at the end of the third round. Poirier did it at the beginning of the fourth. Um, but uh, I, I feel like we need to see that fight. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, we need to see that fight again because of the no contest there, Jeff. We need to know who the best of these two is. Um, even though we got a pretty good indication the first time, I know Poirier believes that he won, but you can never count Eddie Alvarez out. You know, it, it, that was a back and forth fight and Eddie came back from almost getting knocked out. Uh, I, I would really like to see this next for these two. And then uh, the winner of that, uh, you know, clearly deserves a title shot. What, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, it's hard to argue with your argument there, Bill. Uh, I think Dustin Poirier, I think he definitely put his hat, his, yeah, his hat in the ring uh, last night. And I think that the fans would really be excited to see him and Alvarez throw down again. That first fight was exciting up until the controversial finish. And I think that the true winner of that, it deserves to fight Khabib. Um, but honestly, I, I kind of would like to see Dustin fight Khabib because Dustin is a longer fighter, I feel like. Uh, he's got the long arms. So I feel like it would be down to whoever can control the range better. You know, if Dustin Poirier can fight from a distance, I think he can beat Khabib uh, if he keeps, stays away from those takedowns and stuff. But um, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. But, yeah, I, I definitely want to see Dustin and Alvarez throw down again. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what plays out in this division because uh, l let's take Conor McGregor out of the picture because we don't know what's going to happen in terms of suspension or if he's going to be able to get a visa or wh whatever other nonsense um, th there is surrounding Conor McGregor. I don't, I don't really care until, uh, until we know that there's the possibility of him signing fight. Uh, uh, you know, I don't really care to talk about him. Um, especially because this division is so stacked. I mean, we have Kevin Lee and Edson Barbosa next week. You could easily put either one of those guys in a title title fight. I think less so Edson Barbosa, but Kevin Lee can sell the fuck out of a fight uh, with anybody. Uh, we don't know how long Tony Ferguson is going to be out, but, you know, throw him back in this mix. And then you got some up-and-coming guys. For example, I would love to see a fight down the line between Justin Gaethje and Lando Venata. I think that would be a really fun fight. Um, you got a lot of interesting things going on in this division and uh, it's exciting. I mean, you got, you still got Eddie Alvarez, so you can, you can kind of pair him up with a, with a bunch of different people. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of interesting things could happen with this division. Uh, any other thoughts on this before we move on to the rest of this card, Jeff? No, I think that, yeah, I think that it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out over the next couple of months. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the co-main event from UFC Fight Night on Fox 29. And that was uh, Carlos Condit 
against last-minute replacement Alex Cowboy Oliveira, who stepped in for the injured Matt Brown, who Matt Brown blew out his ACL a couple of weeks ago. And I think Oliveira took this fight on a week and a half or two weeks' notice, and he was 200 pounds when he accepted the fight. Uh, that's the rumor. And he, he made it down to 170 pounds. He didn't miss weight that I heard of anyway. Carlos Condit, I don't know where to start here. Uh, he looked okay at the end of round one. He had Oliveira's back, and he looked like he was very close to finishing him. Obviously, he's got really slick jujitsu. It just it doesn't seem to me like he has the same fire in him that he had early in his career when he really was a natural born killer. Uh, I was one of the biggest advocates for this guy um, back when he was fighting in the WEC. He was one of the names that I would bring up and say, you know, you have to go and check out the WEC. They got Carlos Condit over there. They have Donald Cowboy Cerrone. They have Anthony Pettis. They have Uriah Faber. Um, you know, the the WEC was awesome. And I, I've been thinking about this lately, Jeff. You know, a lot of people, a lot of hardcore MMA fans miss pride, obviously. Um, but I have, like, really great memories of WEC. They put on some amazing fights. I mean, the Anthony Pettis jumping off the cage kick of Ben Henderson. But in any case... I was a huge advocate of Carlos Condit. He was he was such an exciting fighter to watch, and it's because he had such intensity and he had such a fire under him. I don't see that in him anymore, and I hate saying that. And, you know, obviously we've been influenced by him saying he wants to retire and things like that and, and taking some time off, but you know, there's the part of you who thinks like, all right, maybe he just needed to take a break after the Damian Maya fight. You know, maybe he felt embarrassed after that, after getting choked out in under 90 seconds. Um, but ever since he's been back, I, I, I'm just not seeing it anymore. And uh, Oliveira looked good. Um, you know, he submitted Condit with a nasty guillotine. I mean, it was in deep for a long time and they rolled over a couple of times and he held on to it. And uh, and finally got the tap. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on on Condit and, and his future? And what were your thoughts on the fight, Jeff? Man, uh, it's it's tough with Condit because I've always been a, a fan of his. I I have always felt like he's always been a contender, but in his last few fights, man, he's been hot and cold. You know, when he's there and he shows up, he's good. He's dangerous, but. He just hasn't shown up his last couple of fights, unfortunately. And, you know, not to take anything away from Alex Oliveira, who looked amazing in there. At one point, he picked up Carlos Condit and just slammed him to the ground. You know, you don't see a lot of guys do that to Condit. And he looked good on the stand-up, too, uh, which Oliveira is known for. And that guillotine, dude, um, as soon as he locked it in when they were standing, it looked like it was tight. And Condit... I didn't see any urgency from him to get out of it. He was comfortable to stay there. Um, and one of the big things in jujitsu uh, in terms of concepts is you don't want to get comfortable in an uncomfortable position, which is what exactly what Condit did. Mm -hmm. And that's why he tapped. So I, I don't know. I don't know what you do with Condit at this point. Um, it's, it's a really tough call, man. Uh, he's, he's up there in years. He's had a couple of surgeries. 
um, I don't know if it might be time to think about retirement. Yeah, so I was thinking he was up there in years too, so I pulled it up. He is 33 years old, which is amazing to think about because this guy has been around forever. I mean, wins over Nick Diaz, knocked out Dan Hardy, knocked out Rory McDonald. Um, he's lost seven of his last nine fights. Uh, and granted, it's all been against you know top-tier competition. I mean, there was the that razor close decision against Robbie Lawler, you know, a lot of people thought he won that. And then there was the, the freak incident with Tyron Woodley where he, he blew out his ACL when he got kicked in the leg. Um, and you know, he went to distance with GSP for the title, he went to distance with Robbie Lawler for the title. A lot of people thought he beat Robbie Lawler in that fight. Um, but man, the numbers don't look good. Like, obviously I think if he really wants to return, the UFC will take him back because he's such a fan favorite. You know, he's just like a likable guy. He always puts on exciting fights. You know, even in the loss against Oliveira, it was it was an exciting fight, even though you knew he wasn't all there. Uh, you, you still hope to catch glimpses of, of the old Carlos Condit. And um, it, it sucks. And then it, what I thought was awkward during this fight as well too, Jeff, and it, it, it kind of segues into another topic I want to talk about in the three-man broadcast team, which I, I've said before I'm not really a fan of. I, I feel like two is is good when you have a play-by-play -play and, a, and a color guy. I think it's that's the best case. Although I didn't mind uh, last week when it was Rogan, Jimmy Smith, and John Anik. I thought they had a good uh, chemistry. But uh, Dominic Cruz and, and Daniel Cormier, I feel like, are not a good combination. I think they're both great analysts and they're both good broadcasters. I think I like Dominic Cruz uh, behind the desk a little more as an analyst than I do as a broadcaster. But just the way they were arguing, um, it, it's good when, when guys get along as a broadcast team, but I feel like they're almost too friendly to the point where they feel like they can argue with each other and it gets to be a little bit unprofessional. Like during the Condit fight, when Cormier was saying, I think he's out and Dominic Cruz was saying he's not out and, and just, the, you know, it's okay to disagree, but just the way they were arguing with each other. Uh, and it had happened a couple of times during the broadcast. I noticed, um, I, I just wasn't feeling it. You know, I understand that they're, they're friends and, and, you know, friends argue about things, but it, it just didn't come across as the most professional. Did you have any thoughts about this as you were watching Jeff or, or is this something I'm just now bringing to your attention? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I was really into the card. I really wasn't paying attention to how they were broadcasting. I thought they were giving good uh, technical advice of what was going on, especially um, to maybe fans who are not as hardcore as we are. Because like you said before, Bill, we both train. So we kind of understand what's going on in here every now and then. Um, but I thought Cruz and, and DC did a good job there, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, it kind of, now that you bring it up though, I did notice one saying, you know, he's out. And then the other was like, no, he's not out. Um, so I guess that was a little weird and cumbersome at times. Um, I just think that they need a little bit more time broadcasting together because while they have been behind the desk together, they've never been on a live broadcast together. So I think mm -hmm. uh, they just need to iron out a few things. You know, I, um, 
So I think if you give it some time, give them a couple more goes, I think they'll get it down. Yeah. And then there was another point. I think it was during the Michelle Waterson fight. I can't remember exactly when. I think Courtney Casey was going for an omoplata, and and uh, DC was saying that she was on the wrong side, and Dominic Cruz was like, no, she's not. She's going for the omoplata. We saw a finish uh, from that earlier, and and DC was like, no, Dom, he's on the wrong side. Like, the way he was talking to him was just like, you know, two buddies watching the fight, which, okay, now, now I'm talking myself through this. Maybe that's a good thing. Uh, you know, maybe we move away from – you know, the, the sounding professional, we get more towards like maybe not so much like the Snoop Dogg broadcast, but maybe like the Joe Rogan fight companion that he does with Brendan Schaub, like, you know, a more laid back, like just kind of buddies shooting the shit, uh, drinking beers like you or you and I would do, uh, watching the fights. Uh, you know, obviously the way you and I talk and text during these fights is not <laughs> professional, which is why, we do this and they do the professional broadcasting. Um, but I wouldn't be opposed to maybe like lightening things up a little bit now that I'm talking myself through it. In any case, let's move on to the next fight. So a, a really hyped up fighter in Israel Adesanya. Uh, you know, the guy talks a big game. He had a, a really impressive showing in his UFC debut. Until last night, he had never gone the distance. I think we definitely saw some huge holes exposed in his game last night against Marvin Vittori, who basically was spoon-fed to Israel Adesanya uh, to knock out. Uh, and Vittori knew that, and it pissed him off. And he wanted, you know, he fought very emotionally, but he didn't start uh, fighting smart until the third round, where he took Israel down and held him down and exposed a big hole in his game, which is his takedown defense, and his grappling, which is essentially non-existent. Herb Dean did him a huge favor by standing the fight back up towards the end of the third round, even though he was getting pummeled on the ground. Uh, and then after he stood back up, he was a little shaky. I will say in the beginning of the fight, he had excellent head movement. Um, his striking is very slick and very smooth, uh, very fluid. And it, it'll give people a lot of problems. But like I was telling you, Jeff, uh, the top 10 of the middleweight division uh, will eat this guy alive. Uh, I have no doubt about that. And then forget about it if you put him in there with like a Jacare or a Yoel Romero, a world-class grappler. Uh, you know, they'll maybe get frustrated on the feet with this guy for a minute or two, and then they're putting him down, and it's going to be a long night for him. He also seems kind of small for the division for me, and I hate to shit on the kid, but... Uh, you know, there's been such a big hype train behind him, and I, I just don't see it. Maybe I'm missing something. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I was impressed with Adesanya and his UFC debut, and yeah, you're not wrong. I think that Marvin Vittori could have won that fight if he had started wrestling in the first and second rounds. Uh, he definitely won the third, but Adesanya, I, I still think he's he's good, you know? He has the really slick striking. He kind of throws people off. He's a little flashy. I think that if he just can add the grappling into his arsenal, I think he'll definitely be a threat in this division. But for the time being, I think you're right. I think top 10 uh, eats this guy alive for breakfast. And 
Um, I think that Israel Adesanya can focus his training a little bit more on the grappling because he comes from a kickboxing background. Uh, I know he had a, a couple of fights uh, as a pro kickboxer, if I'm not mistaken. So I think he can focus his training a little bit more on the grappling. Yeah, and then I'm I'm looking over I'm looking over his record too, and the only name I recognize is Melvin Gillard, who is a lightweight. <laughs> and he, he knocked him out in the first round, but, uh, you know, that's a lightweight who's been cut from the UFC uh, more times than I can count. Um, you know, I I hope he is able to put it together because he's a young kid. He's got a flashy style. He can put on some exciting fights. Um, I think you can't build this kid up too fast. That's going to be a big problem. You're running into like a Sage Northcutt scenario here with this guy. Um, and that's not something that really interests me. Um, so I hope they get him a good matchup and, you know, let him get some more experience. Um, you know, I feel the same way about him as I do with like Sean O'Malley. Um, I just feel like you can't hype these guys up too much when they're dominating on the, on the local circuits because there's such a huge discrepancy between the talent level in the UFC and the talent level in these local circuits. And, you know, you know this as well as I do, Jeff, because we both, you know, we've been to the local shows and we've seen what the talent level is like. And, you know, there are some really shining stars there. Um, but then you put them on the big stage and they kind of fall flat. I hope that's not the case. I, I'm not wishing bad for Israel. I hope, he has a lot of success in his career, but uh, I think the hype train needs to make a stop at a jiu-jitsu gym sometime soon. Uh, so let's talk about what I thought was probably, besides the main event, this was the fight of the night, and that was uh, Michelle Waterson and Courtney Casey Sanchez. Really back-and-forth fight. Um, there were some really close submission attempts by Courtney Casey. I loved the movement Michelle Waterson was using and she stayed on the outside and she stayed on her bicycle and, and struck from far away. But the way she moves in and out and she's very undersized for this division, like the broadcast team was saying, she's fought at Adam weight before. I don't think she cuts a lot to make this weight. And that was very apparent in this fight. Uh, I thought Courtney Casey landed the bigger shots and she had more submission attempts, but Michelle Waterson's wrestling really impressed me especially against a bigger fighter and you know she avoided every submission attempt and was still able to control courtney casey on the ground she wasn't she didn't allow her to use those submission attempts to get back to her feet so i thought it was the right decision um what were your thoughts on this one jeff yeah bill i gotta disagree with you on this one i thought courtney casey uh looked really good on the feet especially in the beginning uh of the first uh, in the beginning of the second round and most of the first round she looked good on the feet and then waterson kind of um was able to get into the fight a little bit more but i just thought courtney casey deserved the win just because she was more active on the ground she was going for the submission attempts waterson um we didn't see too much of her ground and pound so i and uh i think casey was able to neutralize that because of her submission attempts and she was able to at a lot of times uh control waterson even though casey herself was on the bottom 
Um, but I don't know. I mean, um, I was helping my dad with something during this fight, so I think I might have to go back and watch this one again. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, I, it was a great fight. If, if the decision had gone to Casey, I wouldn't think it was a robbery. Um, when Watterson was announced the winner, I, I thought it was the right call at the time. Um, you know, I could be convinced otherwise. It was really close, which is why I thought it was such a great fight. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'll have to go back and watch that one again. Uh, someone else who was really impressive last night, Antonio Carlos Jr., getting the submission victory over Tim Boast. Um, and Antonio Carlos Jr. is one of these guys who, for whatever reason, I feel like he's up and down, but he's been pretty consistent. I mean, he's on a five-fight win streak, and four of those are by submission. Uh, he's been, you know, quietly working his way up this uh, middleweight division. Maybe maybe give give him uh, Israel Adesanya next <laughs> and see what happens. Uh, this is a guy who has top-shelf Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, some of the best in the UFC, and he's probably not talked about enough. And submitting Tim Boach is no easy task. Uh, Tim Boach is a real tough guy. He's really strong. Uh, obviously, he used to fight at light heavyweight. So he's a tall order for anybody at 185. What were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I was really impressed with the man they call Shoe Face, <laughs> which I think could be an awesome name for a horror movie. But, dude, he was super impressive against Tim Bosch. On the feet, he looked a little shaky. Uh, I think we could improve a little bit there on the feet. Um, but, dude, on the ground, he's so slick. He had Tim Bosch in trouble as soon as they hit the ground. And at one point able to get onto Bosch's back. And I love what he did with the body triangle where, um, you know, that serves two purposes. He stretches out the spine for the rear naked choke, which sucks. Uh, it definitely adds a lot more intensity to the uh, choke. And also he was using his left leg to outstretch Tim Bosch's left leg and just neutralize his movement, keep him from turning into him. Mm -hmm. Just flawless performance on the ground um and dude he's been consistent like you said he uh four of his last five wins have been by rear naked choke actually mm -hmm. so um i think that if you put him in there against adesanya if it goes to the ground at any point i think adesanya is in trouble yeah he rips um, his limbs apart no yeah. question uh all right cool so i'm gonna we're gonna move into rapid fire mode here uh muslim salikov in the KO victory over Ricky Rainey, uh, John Moraga edging the decision over Wilson Hayes, and uh, Brad Tavares with the third-round TKO of Christoph Jotko. So out of those three fights, Jeff, which one impressed you the most? Um, I actually really enjoyed all three of these fights. I was, I was able to catch all of them. They were all good, but if I could only pick one, I would go for John Moraga versus Wilson Hayes just because two reasons. One, it was super competitive, um, you know, constant back and forth. Uh, I think a lot of people could argue that Wilson Hayes won that fight. I thought the decision went the right way. And also, this was probably one of the best fights at flyweight that I've seen in a really long time. Uh, the flyweight division, because Demetrius Johnson has been so dominant, it can get a little stale at times. But mm -hmm. this fight was really good. I think I think uh, the flyweights did a good job in this one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I 
I was watching this one on my phone. I was out, <laughs> I was out to dinner uh, at a local uh, pizza spot, and I had this playing on my phone. So every time I looked down, Wilson Hayes was on top. So I, I had texted you, and I was like, Wilson Hayes got robbed. Uh, and then you know, you kind of changed my mind. I I rewatched it uh, after the main event, but I was really tired, and um, I, I just couldn't focus. On it, so I'll take your word for it that uh, Moraga got the victory here. Um, I don't know, Jeff. I think I was just checked out because it's flyweights, and <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard to care about this division. That's like, um, you know, nothing's nothing's happening in it, and I, I just can't get interested in anything that has to do with this division. I'm more excited about the women's flyweight division uh, and, and Valentina Shevchenko winning the championship there, uh, which <laughs> I think is an inevitable. Um, all right. So any other thoughts on this card? Yushin Okami, uh, you know, quietly getting a victory over Diego Lima. Uh, so he's still around. And Luke Sanders, who is a really big prospect for a long time, uh, getting the decision over Patrick Williams. So that's cool. And Gilbert Burns uh, knockout victory in the first minute over Dan Murray. Um, any other thoughts on this card overall, Jeff? Um, I kind of want to look at the heavyweight fight. I didn't watch it, but I do want to see it because I actually ended in Oma Plata. You don't see those a lot in, uh, in the UFC. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. And Arjan Singh uh, Bilar the uh, fighter who lost that fight actually was the first UFC fighter to make the walk to the octagon wearing a turban. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's great that uh, they didn't make them put a, a Reebok logo on it or anything. Uh, <laughs> Cause we fucked up. So it, it's good that uh, I, you know, I know he didn't get sponsorship money from it or anything, but it's good that the UFC is uh, a little lenient on that. Uh, you know, I make the Reebok joke, but it's good that they let him, uh, you know, represent his religion proudly in the cage. Uh, fortunately, he got submitted, but, you know, still a pretty cool thing uh, that he was the first fighter to do that. So it's worth mentioning. All right, let's move on to UFC Fight Night 128. And this is going to be uh, right in your backyard, Jeff, Atlantic City, New Jersey. I don't know if you're thinking about uh, picking up some last-minute tickets going down to the boardwalk for some nasty strippers and, and UFC action. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, Atlantic City has some of the most disgusting strip clubs in the country. Uh, I, I definitely would not suggest attending any of them. Ever, uh, <laughs> but they're going to get uh, some awesome fight action at Boardwalk Hall. Uh, the fight is headlined by Kevin Lee and Edson Barbosa, as we said earlier. And this is a really interesting fight for me. Um, the fight that I should be excited for, but I really don't want to see right now, is Frankie Edgar and Cub Swanson because Frankie Edgar is coming off. That knockout from Brian Ortega just a couple of weeks ago, immediately getting back in there. And I know he really wants to fight because it's New Jersey. 
and he's got a win over Cub Swanson. But it worries me, Jeff. It worries me in the same way that uh, Michael Bisbing took the fight against Kelvin Gastelum on such short notice. I feel like Frankie, as tough as he is, should probably take a little bit more time to recover. Uh, any thoughts on that and the main event here, Jeff? Yeah, I think you're on the money there, dude. I think that Frankie Edgar is – this is a fast turnaround after getting knocked out like that. And I don't know, man. I'm a little worried for him. But, yeah, dude, Atlantic City, the city famous for the game of Monopoly. If you didn't know, the game of Monopoly is based on Atlantic City. I was actually thinking of maybe going down there for this. Um, but, dude, I went to AC – uh i think it was like two years ago and there's uh, there's really nothing to do besides gamble and nasty strippers yeah yeah neither of those sound too appealing to me yeah stay Um, away from that jeff yeah but um as for this fight card man i'll be honest with you i see a lot of local guys on here david branch is in there uh jim miller who's always fun to watch um, you know, Edson Barbosa's uh, you can consider a local guy. I think he trains with Frankie Edgar. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than Barbosa versus Lee, Bill, I, I can't get into this, man. Uh, so I'll tell you the fight that really interests me the most on this, and that's Brett Johns against Aljamain Sterling. So Brett Johns is the fighter who a couple of months ago we saw hit that calf slicer against Joe Soto. Undefeated fighter, outstanding grappler, 15-0. and 0. Uh, and Aljamain Sterling, we know, is awesome on the ground. Matt Serra, purple belt, I believe, last I checked. Um, but in inside the octagon, he's shown much higher level grappling um, uh, than a purple belt, I believe. And, you know, his stand-up is really unorthodox. Uh, he's coming off that, that nasty uh, knockout by the hands of Marlon Marais. Uh, but you know he, Aljamain Sterling has outgrappled Hen and Burrell, so um, that's a really interesting fight for me. I love the Jim Miller Dan Hooker fight. Uh, I think that'll be a really gritty one. Um, and what else we got on here? Corey Anderson, and Patrick Cummings. I mean, these are two guys who have pretty much been put out of the running. But I feel like this will be a really tough fight. Um, and you got Chase Sherman coming back against uh, Justin Willis. That's a great heavyweight fight there. Uh, so I don't know. Did I change your mind at all here, Jeff? A little bit. Uh, now that you reminded me of that Joe Soto calf slicer, that was actually really slick stuff. And Brett Johns is actually undefeated. Uh, mm-hmm. He's 15-0. and 0. The Chase Sherman fight looks really good. Jim Miller's always fun to watch in there. All right, Bill, you've, you've changed my mind a little bit here. I'm a little bit more excited for this. Still don't want to go to Atlantic City, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, unless uh, unless they're cleaning up the stripper scene down there, I don't blame you, Jeff. There's not much to see in Atlantic City. There's there's nothing but but shame and heartache from, <laughs> from losing your money and, and then paying money to see disgusting strippers. And if, if there are any Atlantic City strippers, uh, who are listening to this show? I just want to take this opportunity to say uh, you're fucking disgusting. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I like to take this opportunity to apologize to absolutely nobody. Oh man! And uh, 
on that note, Jeff, I, I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there, it's only downhill from here. So <laughs> we better call it an episode. Anything else you want to get off your chest or have you been drinking anything interesting lately? Nah, I've been super busy with work this week, so I haven't had a chance. But I th I'm thinking maybe next weekend I'll get into some good stuff, give you an analysis of that. Nice. Get into some nice uh, nice brews up there in the old Jersey. And I'll be looking forward to watching this fight. I'll be out of town next weekend, but uh, you know I'm going to try and catch this on my laptop. or uh, Is this on Fight Pass or what? where is this thing? Fox Sports 1? Yeah, it's on FS1. Oh, we should have this information ready, Jeff. We're so unprepared, so unprofessional, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, uh, in any case, uh, let's enjoy these fights next week. If you want to get in touch with us, let us know what you're thinking and drinking out there. You can reach Jeff at Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And, of course, you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere on the Internet. Send me an email, MMAontherocks, gmail.com. Don't be shy. All right. Until next week, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>